0: This is The Salvationist Podcast. I'm Kristen Austinson. When Hurricane Fiona ripped through eastern Canada last September, thousands were impacted. There were widespread power outages, homes destroyed, even lives lost. One of the hardest hit communities was Porta Basque in Newfoundland, where Dave and Bev Harvey are core leaders. On this episode of the podcast, Dave and Bev share how the storm impacted the town and their core and how the Salvation Army responded. Hi, Dave. Hi, Bev. Thanks so much for coming on the Salvationist podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Doing great, thank you. Uh, You know, it's it's not really nice outside. We got some rain and so forth, but uh, overall it's nice.
0: I suppose that's par for the course living right on the coast, right?
2: Yes, for sure. <laughs> um,
0: now, I'm wondering if you can start by sort of taking us back to September. Uh, when did you receive the news that the Hurricane Fiona was coming and that it was going to be a big storm?
1: Well, basically, it, it kind of started probably the week or so before with, with warnings from from our meteorologist saying that, you know, this this was coming through. It was going to be bad. Um, and so, you know, we kind of had a bit of a heads up in the sense of we're getting a storm. There's lots of wind, which is not unusual for Portabas. You know, it's it's normal. We 120, 130 kilometer winds are are not abnormal for here. And, uh, you know, waves are not uh, nothing unusual. But uh, no one expected uh, what Fiona brought on the 24th.
0: No, absolutely not. Um, and were you in town when the storm hit or did you manage to uh, take shelter elsewhere?
2: No, where we're situated, we are sheltered, but we were in town mm-hmm. and so quickly went into mm-hmm. action to check on our uh, thrift store, which is down right in the center of it, um, which which it was fine. But then that's when we started to see the devastation of trying to get there, like the streets were flooded people were scrambling. So uh, we knew then that we had to go into action and uh, help wherever we could. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, How
0: would you describe the scene in Portabasque immediately after the storm?
1: Well, uh, some people have said it was like a bomb dropped, but actually that doesn't do it justice. Uh, Really, it was like a whole bunch of big tractors and excavators have gone through and this destroyed everything. There was, there were houses all over the place. There were sheds that were everywhere. There was lumber that was everywhere. There were cars that were piled up on top of each other. It was just like, it was a scene that you couldn't believe. Uh, You know, places were gone. What was a house is no longer there. It was a shed is no longer there. And so that, I think the initial, unless you actually saw it and saw the pictures, you had it's hard to get a concept of what it looked like. It was it was absolutely terrible.
2: Actually, pictures don't really do it justice, and I know we had a lot of media coverage, and that was bad enough. But to see it real in real time, uh, that that was another story, um, because there were no longer backyards either. Like the sea was right to the back of the houses, or the shell of the house that was left. Um, So it was pretty devastating. Mm -hmm. And I
0: imagine for you as the uh, core leads there, you know, for you, each house represents a person and a family. For me as someone who doesn't live there, I see a house and, and it's destroyed and that's devastating and moving, but there must be that personal connection for you folks as well.
1: Yeah. For, for us, we had a number of our core people that were, that actually had lost their homes that were out of their wow. homes and those that were in the hotels. It was just, you know, and, and you're right. When, when you look at it and you, you think of individuals and, and during this process, we've got to meet a lot of new individuals that we wouldn't have met otherwise. So.
2: Right. Two of the people that were particularly involved in part of our core are, are blind. Mm. So their houses, um, for that to be gone, it was just devastating for them because now their comfort, how they'd get around. Right. Um, one of the gentlemen is blind, but he could do things like he had last summer built a cement wall by himself at the back of his garden. Mm. And even though he's blind, he did that, but that was all washed away. So it was pretty devastating for him. Mm. Fortunately, they both had family to take them in. But still, and even now, it's still a very difficult process for them. So that's just one example of how Mm -hmm. it affects people. Um, Another family, um, their house, it just went in the front door and out the back and um, just took everything. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty devastating. And even now... Uh, people are having like the flashbacks. And if the weather says it's going to be windy and rain, everybody goes into alert because that now they just kind of just don't trust the weather report anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I I can imagine. It, I mean, that kind of thing, it would, it would really stick with you, right? You can't, can't just snap your fingers and, and not be affected by it anymore.
2: But I guess the positive part for us it, and, I guess in, in whatever disaster, or whatever, there are some positive things. Uh, it's been really a connection with the community, and the community has really come together. And uh, we've done together whatever we could to make people's lives better or to help wherever we can. So uh, you're kind of now on first-name basis with... Um, people of the town council, things like that. So um, they've really done a team effort here, and kudos to them, actually, to come together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And speaking
0: of the response, of course, the Salvation Army was very active in the response. What was the first thing we did? How did we get into action and when?
1: Well, actually, our, our very first process, because we are uh, probably, as you would understand and know, uh, part of the, the governmental CSSD and Red Cross, uh, of course, IMOU says we start feeding. So, obviously, we opened up our all right away. We had our cooks and our volunteers all came together, and we start serving meals, breakfast, dinner, and supper uh, for the first two weeks, at least for the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, it went longer than that, but that was the initial. And so that was that was our initial response. Uh, get people up, get them, you know, into a place that's comfortable and warm, where they can chat and have conversation, have some community with all this disaster going on. And uh, plus, of course, welcome the Red Cross, plus the Rangers were here, plus the military was here. So, you know, we, we were serving, you know, probably eight, nine, probably seven, eight hundred meals per day. Plus deliveries. Uh, plus the deliveries that were going out to the hotel, plus people were picking up. So it was, you know, it, it was quite a, quite a task, but uh, you know, we had amazing volunteers, we had amazing cooks who, who punched in from six o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night, you know, for the first two solid weeks. So so that was our initial response. That's where we started. Of course, then we, you know, you start getting all the stuff coming in. Then you gotta try to figure out what to do with that. And you know, a track the trailer fulls of water, track of trailer fulls of clothes, track of trailer full of food. So <laughs> toilet yeah, paper. paper, you know, 45 skids of toilet of paper. So yeah. you, you gotta figure out what to do with all that process. So, so yeah, but initially it was it was our food, you know that that's what people people were that was our first MOU to
0: get done. Right? So yeah, of course that makes sense, and I believe yeah. uh, the army was helping out at a warming center as well.
1: Yeah, so initially our first uh, the very first day actually the Red Cross couldn't get here or they weren't here, so we. Uh, we they they called and we said yeah so we opened up the, the warming cool. center got all the got all the beds in place got everybody in there and got them set up for the first night and then after that nice. uh, the Red Cross took over the responsibility of the center itself but our feeding was still we were Connected. still doing that for the for the folks at, at the center right so
0: mm-hmm. um so you mentioned there was feeding for the first uh, two weeks can you describe where it went from there or what, did it sort of slowly taper down or
1: the third and fourth week. It, it kind of tapered down. We we were still doing the three meals, uh, but obviously, if yeah, people start getting aware of where they were, what was happening to them, where where how where they're going to stay, and so forth, you know, the breakfast wasn't quite as important anymore. So that kind of tapered off. Lunch was still we were still doing delivery. Actually, we we're still doing delivery for breakfast, right. lunch, yes. and supper. So they were still being taken out, and you know, those were in. The 125, 130, 140 bracket, you know, in the morning, supper, dinner time and supper time. And then in the fourth week, probably in the fourth week, things really tapered off. Once, you know, people started getting into their friends' homes, some people started getting back into their own homes because they were allowed to go back. But they weren't they were OK. Other people were in hotels. So that really cut back so we cut out the breakfast like we're getting one or two people have guys about six o'clock didn't make a whole lot of sense so then we made, we cut that back and then lunch really backed off but we kept doing our suppers so we're still doing you know 80 90 100 suppers and then that cut back to 60 and 70 then it cut back to 40 and 30 you know it just, just kind of teetered off on the uh cssd came out and said okay you know, this this is completed now on your part, and uh, the meals are now be taken care of by the hotels and by uh, Newfoundland and Labrador Housing are looking after the cost of that. So, uh,
0: and you mentioned that at the height of the response, of course, you were serving hundreds of people a day. Um, what was the response on the ground? How
2: did people react to the assistance that they were receiving from the army? That was amazing, actually. Um, People enjoy, well, it was a time that they would see their friends and they would have conversation and the meals and the part of being able to be welcomed, uh, treated with dignity and respect, and they could share with each other. Uh, There was also the pastoral piece. Uh, We prayed with a number of people. Um, Of course, every day there was a new kind of a news story or something had happened overnight to them. So they counted on coming and uh, discussing things. And uh, then we would see what supports and if that was spiritual, pastoral, we we also included that. Um, So it was, yeah, that was quite, and I I really believe that uh, people kind of return to the church aspect of how important it is, you know, that is as a comfort. So um, we we have seen some of that, and some of some of our people have returned to our church, actually, um, and I think that's all stemmed uh, a little from how they were treated, how they, you know. And uh, so that's that's great too. That's a positive spin.
1: Yeah, and the community response was really was really received well by mm-hmm. the whole overall community. You know, the thing about this is that I know we concentrate so much on those who have been affected, those homes have been lost, you know, whose lives have been all upset. But actually, you know, four thousand four thousand two hundred people in a community, everybody gets affected. Everybody feels their neighbor's need. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, So, you know, that that was a big thing. And uh, they really like the community itself in a whole really came together like they really, you know, respected the fact that the military came in to help, you know, that the Rangers were here to help, you know, uh, that people just got together to help each other, you know, to clean each other's yard, to pick up each other's debris, to find each other's love, you know, important mementos. So all of that, all of a sudden. Every community, every person is involved. The thing about it, of course, it didn't only affect us, Porta Bass, it affected three of all the communities besides well. yeah. around us. So that, you know, that support was also all part of what went out to them as well. You know, so so they got, you know, if they were, they got the meals or that, you know, if they wanted clothing, they got clothing. If they wanted some other things, they got that as well. So it was kind of like a five communities that were involved. Uh, so it just wasn't only Port of Bass, right?
2: The other thing, too, is that we uh, also took our emergency vehicles and went went right on site down to uh, the water, to the edge of the water. And we served there as well, especially to the military and the rangers and, yeah, and anybody who needed it. But uh, Cornerbrook, their emergency vehicle came out as well. Um, so we certainly had the support and uh, the support of the Salvation Army. And uh, that was much appreciated. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And then going right down on the on the water site, certainly, people would come up then and just chat. If they hadn't come for a meal, they then came up and then again, there was the spiritual peace. so um, and able being able to comfort and pray with them if needed. So that was an exciting experience. And uh, actually our DC, uh, with Santa Colonel Sanders Stokes, she was out one day, and she was down on the waterfront serving from the truck, and uh, that was great to have her support as well. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, of course, it was an extremely devastating situation for so yes. many people. But amidst that, did you experience or witness any special sort of God moments where you could really see His hand at work?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, like Bev said, when you're when you're down on the waterfront, you're talking to individuals. You know, there, there is, there's always an opportunity to, to speak into, you know, someone's life in some way or another. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, a number of times when, when down there it, and you know, the thing about it was that it wasn't only those who lost, you know, they were, there were the neighbors who were next to them who, uh, spoke to an individual, you know, one gentleman was standing up pouring rain. We were right out of the chat and, uh, he said, you know, he said, that's my house. He said, I lost one piece of siding. That's all I've lost. He said, but, you know, he said, I feel so guilty. Right? He said, I feel so guilty uh, because everybody else is going to lose their homes and I'm going to be left there kind of by myself with no one around, only my wife and I said, and we don't want to stay. He said, we don't want to stay. So we had conversation around that. We talked about the fact, you know, that, you know, he, he shouldn't, I know he does, but you shouldn't feel that way that, you know, you are blessed to have an opportunity not to have anything happen to you and that your home is still standing, that you still have everything intact. And, you know, you know, God doesn't he doesn't pick and choose. It's just that things happen the way they do. So we had a conversation around that. We talked, you know, so and then, you know, there were some times at the hall when we were serving a meal. You know, you you come in these guys come in. Most of them are big, birdie men that, you know, lived on the water all their lives. A lot of them have, you know, been in boats, they've done fishing or they're, you know, they're in the woods all the time, whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, you go down and put your hand on the shoulder and all of a sudden they're crying. You know, so you have a moment to pray. You have a moment to talk to them.
2: I think, too, that they would share with you and, and, and you would pray. And the next day they would come back because whatever they were concerned about had suddenly seemed resolved the next day or two days later. Mm -hmm. So they would come back and and thank you and realize that, yes, this is a God moment. God took care of this for me. Mm -hmm. And you were right. You know, that Mm -hmm. God would be with me. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Those moments are so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And how would you describe things now? I mean, you talked a little bit about how people are still kind of uh, struggling a bit, but yeah, Mm Where where are things sort of at right now with the town and also with the army?
2: I wouldn't say it's getting back to normal because there's no 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 normal. It's actually a new normal for them. Uh, some of these that were affected were were the seniors. I'd say probably half of them, and um, they find it so hard and so difficult to ask for help or to accept help so convincing them of doing that is you know so they've started to now accept your services and um, the town is they've had meetings now with the government so there are some plans in how they will get their homes back so I think and it's appropriate for this season there is hope there is a feeling of hope and they've seen um Hope in action. So, uh, sure, some people are still rather frustrated, and that's going to be, and they have their days. But I think overall, they basically claim hope. And they know that there is this will be a memory one of those days, not a good one, but you know, they'll see how they came through it. And so, each day brings its, I think, a new aspect of hope for them. And they know where to go, they know the questions to ask. So, um, I'm sure there's still a type of PTSD that will flare up at certain times. But I, I think overall, as a community, they've grasped the, the concept of hope. There is hope.
1: Yeah, I think they've kind of, kind of gone through the whole gamut of, of mourning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you, 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 don't, you don't see it, you don't respect it, you don't understand it, you get angry, uh, then you get frustrated. And now they look at it to a point, well, you know, the government, like Bev said, the government has come out, they've laid down, you know, the policies of what's going to happen, you know, what they can expect for the homes that are gone or what they have or it's coming down. So they know the cost of what they're going to get back. So that, you know, gives them the opportunity now to decide, to plan what they're going to do. So I think for most people right now, it's, it's the resignation that there are those who will be in the hotels for the next year. You know there are those who understand that there are those who don't understand that they're going to be going to other community with family and going you know some are gone to alberta some are gone to ontario some are gone to nova scotia for the next for the winter so they know the next six months or whatever will be you know with family where they are and then come spring they will see how that all looks mm-hmm. you know there's uh, you know there's it's a big there's a big you know process of yeah. in a small community where there's very little land, mostly rock, trying to find trying to find infrastructure and places they could build homes, you know, and put everything in they need. So that will be a process, of people are accepting of that. You know, there are a few that are still waiting, like the final decisions on what's happening. And so uh, that's, you know, those conversations, we've had conversations with these folks, and, you know, some of them are frustrated just waiting. Look, just tell me so I can go stay with my family until they get the final decision. They're, they got to stay where they are, you know, which is in a hotel. And uh, so, and, and that's, that's kind of, you know, if you lived in a three or four bedroom house all your life with uh, two people and all of a sudden you're in a one bedroom hotel with two people, you know, it can become a bit frustrating sometimes. So, uh, but you know, that's, that's where they are. I think most people now are pretty well, um, uh, accepting of the fact of what they've seen what they have and winter comes and nobody expects anything to have the winter here anyway so it's kind of like spring come and we'll we'll move on from there so that's i think that's where they are at the moment
2: i think too we we have to remember that those homes in a lot of cases were generational uh passed down from great grandfather right on down yes. so that part is having an effect on them yes. as well that now the the home is uh, no longer with us right? So to have a new home that's 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 a big start for them but like I said they've uh, now that they've had some answers and they know that it's a process I think sure they'll still have their days but overall I think it's a hopeful Mm -hmm. situation Mm
0: -hmm. and have army operations kind of return to normal as well
2: we're getting there um we hope our programs will go back to normal in January. Of course, now we've gone right into the Christmas season. Uh, so you know what that all entails, our kettles and our toy drive. And uh, so we're in that mode right now um, and bake sales and what they normally do at Christmas time. So we're glad that we're able to get back to that because that also gives us touch into keeps us in touch with the community. And hopefully in January, our regular programming will be in full full array that's wonderful um
0: and are there ways that people can uh still help today if if they do want to offer support because of course this is going to be an ongoing situation sure, yeah. for quite some time
1: well the biggest obviously the, the the thing that would really be probably most advantageous all the way around is finances uh monies because right now we have more clothing than we know what to do with OK, yeah, uh, you know, we have to figure out what we're going to do with what's left over. You know, you probably got 30 or 40 skids of banana boxes full. We have 40 odd skids of toilet paper and paper towels from Kruger. Like I have no it's idea. We, we've got enough to do the full province alone, port of ass. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been given cases, you know, and food items. Of course, the thing about food items is it's, it's the only thing you can get is non-perishables. And like we have a fair amount of that. We have our food bank. Here as well. And that's really supported Well, by, by locally. So finances giving monies would be the big thing because then we can use it to where the need actually comes up.
2: Right. Well, because you have, um, I think the, they've, uh, people affected of access the clothing and whatever numerous times. So now up to the point, we have to remember too, they can't store things because they don't know, they don't know where they're going to be. So, they're not going to take summer clothing right now because they have nowhere to put it. Right. i sold goods, um goods. Pr- now personal products um, that, that really worked out well uh, because we did have personal products come in as well. People are so generous and it's great, but we have to remember these people have no storage, nowhere to put things so they can only take their immediate use. Right. So uh, that's why we, we, we say financially when we because then we can use it if somebody, I don't know, has a major need like um, furniture. furniture or we had this gentleman that um, it was an, a larger gentleman and had difficulty finding clothes to fit. Then we could use the right. financial piece to make sure that he has what he needs. And that was very appreciative by this older gentleman. So right. it's nice when we know that we have that resource that we can go and be a provide a personal need so that's where the finances come into effect
0: that makes sense um well thank you so much for your time today and for sharing about the response Uh, i know we're still praying for you and your community as you continue to go through this that's
1: great thank Um, you
0: and i wish you a great day you too
1: thank you very much thank you
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Salvationist Podcast. For more episodes, visit salvationist.ca slash podcast.